share and then uh, I think it's a good opportunity to just have some ministry time, end of the year, start of a new year and so uh, I'm going to preach for a while and then the band's going to come up. I'm just going to have an opportunity to just come up on the altar and spend some time in God's presence because at the end of the day that's what changes our heart. That's what... uh, that's where we get the, the insight, the revelation, the transformation all happens in God's presence. And so I want to uh, share a message today out of Luke chapter 9. And I think it's from 11. It is. Uh, which I'm going to read from. I'll read from verse 11. But the crowds learned about it and followed him. This is following Jesus. He welcomed them and spoke to them about the kingdom of God and healed those who needed healing. Late in the afternoon, the 12 came and said to him, send the crowd away so they can go to the surrounding villages and countryside, find food and lodging because we are in a remote place here. He replied, you give them something to eat. They answered, we have only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this, unless we go and buy food for all this crowd, about five thousand men were there. But he said to the disciples, "Have them sit down in groups of about fifty. The disciples did so, and everyone sat down. Taking the five loaves and two fish, he looked up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces." that were left over. Most of us have probably heard this story before, if you've been around church any period of time, the feeding of the 5,000. Even if you're not in church, you've probably heard this story shared at different points and at different times. Um, but I want to I focus in on, the, on verse 13, and I've got a number of well, three points that I want to draw out of this. Uh, verse 13, Jesus says, you give them something to eat. It's interesting how often when we're faced with a problem, we want someone else to solve it for us. Something's going on in our world, there's a problem, that, and we go, oh, we, we want either the problem to go away, or we want someone to pro- solve the problem for us. And so the disciples were no different. Here's a crowd of people, they've been there a while, they're obviously getting hungry, and they're saying, um, let's get rid of the problem. Let's send the problem away. Jesus, tell the problem to go away. And Jesus says to them, no, solve the problem. And so often in our own lives, in our own world, and as the church, you know, we're, we're saying send the problem away, and Jesus is saying to us, no, I'm not going to send the problem away. I want you to solve the problem. And so we need to see ourselves as problem solvers. It's not people that go, oh, I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to have to deal with that. Even with their own personal stuff. Oh, I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to face that. I don't want to do that. I'm just going to either ignore it or it'll go away or something will happen. And yet Jesus is saying to us, no, no, you do something about it. I'm going to move through you. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to make you the change agent. I'm going to make you the person that brings about the change and that brings a solution 
to the problem. Uh, and so Jesus, so when Jesus says to them, give them something to eat, he's saying, you give them what they need. As a church here in the inner west, obviously there's a lot of issues, a lot of things going on around the world. Oh, not, not around the world, there are, but around this place. And as for us as a congregation here, it's important that we see ourselves as problem solvers, as people that bring change and transformation. Because God is saying to every one of us, I want you to be a problem solver. I want you to be a change agent. I want you to come in and look for what you can do to make this place better. And our very next thought when, well, the disciples and ours, when they go, no, you do something about it, is, well, I don't have what I need to bring that. I don't have the resources. I don't have the education. I don't have the connections. I haven't got the time to get involved, to get my hands dirty, to actually do that kind of stuff. Um, why don't we just make it go away? Why don't you just do one of your miracles <laughs> and make it go away? Um, but you know what? Those things, that, whether it be resources, education, connections, and time, they're, they're never the real issues. That's never the real issue when it comes to working with Jesus, working with God, being part of the church. The real issue is always, are we prepared to do what needs to be done? The hard work of solving spiritual and social needs and problems. Um, so Jesus doesn't say, he didn't say to them, oh, do you have enough food? To feed all the five, th to feed these guys? Do you have enough resources? Do you? He didn't say that. He said, just do something about it. What he was saying, he wasn't saying, do you have the resources? He's saying, do, do you have the heart? And one of the most important things, I think, as we come towards this year and we enter into 2007, uh, 2017, is, the, is our heart. Just living life, just doing stuff, working, engaging with people, involved with people. It's very easy to, you know, for your heart to get hard, for your heart to get damaged, to be hurt in relationships and just working and doing all kinds of things. And, and you know, if you've been in church or involved in church or in ministry also over a number of years, it's very easy to become weary, isn't it? You just get tired of doing those things and it's very easy just to go you know what um, I don't want to have to deal with that anymore I don't want to have to face that anymore I don't want to have to do that and so as we come towards the end of this year and and into 2017 and at the end of this message when we have some time to to come forward and just spend some time with God I think it would be great just to say to God, Lord, just, just renew my heart. Refresh my heart. Stir me again with my first love. Um, Jesus said to the Ephesian church in the book of Revelations, he said, he said, you've lost your first love. It's very easy just doing church, going to church, living life to just, just end up going through the motion. I'm just, I'm just doing the motions. I'm just 
doing my stuff. I get up in the morning, I do my stuff, I go to bed at night and, and forget about why we do what we do. And the last thing that we want is to, to lose the love for Jesus in and amongst the doing of stuff. Church stuff, religious stuff, good stuff, all good things, all helpful things. Um, but if we're going to be able to continue to do that, it's important that, we, uh, that our heart is there, that our heart is engaged, that our heart is malleable and soft because just life has a way of, of hardening the heart. And if we're going to do and bring about change, it takes energy, it takes focus, it takes determination. And they're the things that Jesus was saying to the disciples, do you, not do you have the resources, do you have the money, do you have the food or whatever. He's saying, do you have the heart to want to feed these people? In a book, How to Change the World, Social Entrepreneurs and the Power of New Ideas, David Bornstein, who wrote that book, having studied thousands of social initiatives around the world, he said this, Changing a system means changing attitudes, expectations, and behaviors. It means overcoming disbelief, prejudice, and fear. It takes concentrated focus, practical creativity, and long-term source of energy to advance. What he's saying is if you're going to bring change, whether it's to your own world, whether it's to someone around you to be involved as a change agent or if we're going to bring change to a community, then it's going to take work and it's going to take effort and it's going to take energy and it's going to take focus. And for all of those things to, to be able to continue to give all of those things, it's important that our heart is in the right place. Because Proverbs says that... Uh, Above all else, guard your heart, for out of it springs the issues of life. All the, thi- all the other things that we're dealing with all come out of the heart, all come out of what's going on in our heart. And so it's important that our heart is right. So when Jesus says to them, you do something about it, he was saying, don't blame the system you're going, oh, there's too many people here. Oh, we haven't got any food. Oh, there's no resources. He's saying, don't, don't blame the system. He's saying, change the system. Be a change agent. Be someone that says, you know what? I'm going to fix the problem. I'm going to be part of the solution. I want to make a difference. And by forcing them to think that way, Jesus is saying to them, He's saying, I want you to think outside the, the limits of, of the natural world. To think, oh, how, how can this be done? To switch over to possibility thinking and to begin to walk by faith. Because he said, if, you, if you'll engage with me and say, yes, I want to be part of the answer and start walking, then his supernatural resources will then become available. His power then will begin to flow. He will get involved when we get involved. So the first point I want to make is most times God moves when we move. It's easy to say, God, go and 
can you do this? Can you, can you answer this prayer? Can you move in my family? Can you move in my workplace? Can you, can you move in the inner west? Can you move in Sydney? And oftentimes he's saying, yeah, I want to do that, but I'm looking for someone that I can move through. Someone that says, I want to be part of that solution. I want to be part of that answer. I want to make a difference. It was Charles Spurgeon that said, that you should pray like it all depends on God, but then you need to work like it all depends on you. So there's two parts to seeing God move in our own world. We can say, God, God, do this, do that. Lord, I need this answer. I want this. I want that to change. I want that to happen. Then he goes, great. Now you do this. (laughs) One of my... Great uh, ministry heroes is uh, William Booth, and I know I've got some uh, Salvation Army ministers over here today who I met before. But um, you know, the Salvation Army was started by a man who was possessed with the idea that the gospel and the church could meet the needs of his generation, and he went about not a perfect man. But he went about living his life to bring change and transformation to the world. But in his, uh, one, of the, one of the biographies, I found it interesting that when you see the, in, the amazing impact that he had over his life, if you've heard of William Booth who started the Salvation Army, uh, in the book The General Next to God by Richard Collier, the first seven years, uh, William Booth was an evangelist, for seven years he would go around preaching the gospel and not one person got saved. Not one. No one came to Christ. And yet between the years of 1881 and 1885, which was a while ago, so in a four-year period after some other events and some breakthroughs and certain things happened, four-year period, he saw 250,000 people come to Christ give their lives to Christ and become involved in the Salvation Army Church. What happened? (laughs) Something happened. And I was reading a uh, portion of uh, like um, some quotes, well not some quotes, I was reading uh, some uh, uh, writings out of his journal and he said this, one of his letters, written to a person who was asking how they could see change in their world and in the ministry that they were working in at the time. And it's not something new, but it's something I think that will help us remember that change and transformation um, take time and focus. And oftentimes we give up before we see breakthrough. Uh, William Booth said this, you must pray with all your might. That does not mean saying your prayers or sitting gazing about in church or chapel with eyes wide open while someone else says them for you. It means fervent, effectual, untiring, wrestling with God. It means the grappling with omnipotence, that clinging to Him, following Him about, so to speak, day and night, as the widow did, the unjust judge, with agonizing pleadings and arguments and entreaties until the answer comes and the end is gained. This kind of prayer 
Be sure, the devil and the world will oppose. They will pour water on this flame. They will ply you with suggestions and difficulties. They will ask you how you can expect that the plans and purposes and feelings of God can be altered by your prayers. They will talk about impossibilities and predict failures. But if you mean to succeed, you must shut your ears and eyes to all but what God has said and hold him to his own word. And you cannot do this in any sleepy mood. You cannot be a prevailing Israel unless you wrestle as Jacob wrestled. Regardless of time, that is, you must pray with all your might. I think oftentimes transformation, change and breakthrough are on the other side of desperation. And the question often is, how desperate are we to see God move in our world? How desperate are we to see change and transformation? And are we prepared to be part of that solution? Are we prepared to be part of the answer, to be problem solvers and change agents rather than just look to outsource the problem solving and the, and the answers to other people? So number one, God moves and we move. Number two, as we learn from this story, need will always outstrip ability and resource. Need will always outstrip ability and resource. And so if we think, I can't do it because I don't have the ability or I haven't got the resources, then we'll never do anything. We'll never try anything. We'll never step out and embark on some great adventure to do something for God because need always outstrips ability and resources. The disciples looked at what they had and they said, we can't do this. We are unable to fulfill this. And it's very easy, you know, as C3 Sydney, which we're part of, the Vision Sydney, a city for Christ, it's easy to say, well, you know, across our campuses, there's 5,000 people or whatever it is. And, you know, Sydney's four and a half million I mean there's other churches obviously doing great works as well but could Sydney ever really become a city dominated by Christ we could go oh no that's impossible that could never happen but the reality is all things are possible all things are possible and Jesus doesn't come and say do you have the ability to do it do you have the resources to do it no he says do you have the heart to engage it, to step out and try and bring about some great impact, whether it's in our own family, whether it's in our own world, in our own environment, that we are willing to see God move, that we engage our heart in that process. And for us to engage in that desire, then our heart has to be in a good place. Because if our heart is wounded, if it's hurt, if it's bruised, if it's damaged in any way, then we, we find it very difficult to actually engage, to actually step up and want to make a difference. And so need will always outstrip ability. And my last point, which we learned from the boy who brings the five loaves of, loaves of bread, God will never ask us, for what we don't have, he'll just ask us to give what we've got. And so he's not asking us to give anything that we currently don't have. But he's saying, will you give me what you've got? 
will you give me the time, your education, your energy, whatever it is that you currently have, are you prepared to give me that? Because I can do immeasurably more than all you ask, think, or imagine if you'll give me that. The boy brought two fish and five loaves. They said, this is all we got. And Jesus fed 5,000 men, probably 20,000, if you include the women and children, over 20,000 people. But the most important thing, if we're going to give God what we've got, again, comes back to the heart. The heart. The ability to engage comes out of the heart. The ability to believe comes out of the heart. And the ability to give comes out of the heart. And so, just as we uh, finish up right now, if the band can come, I have absolute assurance that God wants to do incredible things in your life in 2016. So we come into a new year. And I want whatever's happened in 2016. If I mean, many of us have maybe had great years. Some of us may, maybe not. But all of us, at some points, just living life, stuff happens that has an effect upon our heart has an effect upon our the heart, the wellspring of our life where our energy comes out of where our vision comes out of where our desire comes out of where our openness, it all comes out of the heart so why don't we, I want us to stand here this morning is asking of you, the changes He wants you to make in your own heart and the, and the things He's asking us to do individually as a church is beyond our capacity and our ability all by ourselves. But with God, nothing is impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. So I want us to spend maybe the next five or ten minutes and uh, I'm just going to sing this song. And I want you to open up your heart afresh to God here this morning. love make us whole again